Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we look back on Boise LAN 8.0, custom computers, gaming, and LAN culture. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. As of this extra recording, we had just finished attending the Boise LAN 8.0. Oh, so much fun. I do love LAN parties, Dennis. Yes. We've talked a lot about LAN parties, Boise LAN in particular, because Hardware Asylum helps sponsor it. Yeah, and that's a great opportunity for us to give back to the locals and to support the growing scene here in town. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's just a lot of fun to go out. Yes, it is. Get out, play some games, stay up late, drink some balls, the drink. Well, you know, I think uh, <laughs> rather than talk about energy drinks, which uh, they have an unhealthy obsession with, mm-hmm. I think we should talk about how we prep for the land parties as far as system builds go. Because this year, we had not one, but two projects that we tackled for machines for the land party. So I will start with, uh, let's start with mine. Okay. So for the land party, I don't bring my main machine. I always put one together. And that's not actually the the big project that's like an overnight project right before the land. Yeah. It must be nice if you're out there listening. Jerk. Yeah, I know. Just kind of, Oh, I want to use the 2080 Tycoon <laughs> edition this time. I know. I know. But what did you build this year? That's, that's maybe more important. Oh, let's see. Well, I put together a, a Fantex Evolve with an X99 micro from EVGA and then my processor that goes in there. And I was using the 20, not the 20, geez, I want to use 20, the 1070 tie from Zotac. This is one that I reviewed on the website, and it's pretty awesome. So I did see the build, and it was pretty clean. The case, a single window, an interesting choice. No, it had two. It had two? Tempered glass on both sides. Uh, However, on the other side, it didn't have anything on there because I was using an NVMe drive instead of my two SSDs that I normally do. Now, I know you had talked about putting HyperX drives in there because we were hoping to get a light show, but those did not arrive in time. Well... I got one. I asked for two because I like to show the benefits of RAID and RGB RAID SSD seems like a pretty good thing, but no. So that drive review coming soon. And hey, if you don't like your OneDrive, I think I might have a home for it in my build. Well, you have to be pretty strong. This drive is heavy. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your hardware decisions because I always find that a little bit interesting when you have such an opportunity so you went with oh well I, the I, Zotac, which yeah. was a relatively large video card. And I think that Huge. comment came up more than once because it looks like it's a triple slot monster. It's a two and a half slot monster, actually. Uh, triple fan, and it has RGB lights on it. I don't think the fans turned on once at the LAN party because the heatsink on the thing is huge. It will passively cool, and as long as I, you know, I had a, an AIO. I was using the, uh, what was it, the 280 from Thermaltake. Now, when Thermal we last 2.0. talked about your land party build, you were going to throw together a custom water cooling loop, if I'm not mistaken. Ice bear, maybe? Um, <laughs> what what caused you to change your mind? Well, I was, um, was going to amp it up, right? Because I originally wanted to build a dedicated land machine. I was going to do a custom painting on the Fantex Evolve and then put in a hardline water loop which would then, you know, dedicate hardware to that machine. And then when I was done, I just put it back in the box and pull it out next land. That happens about every six months. So it would get some use and the Windows 10 would get updated. It might take a couple hours, but right. 
but I was started looking around at the water cooling gear that I had. I have plenty of AIOs and I have the ice bear system and the ice bear is, um, it's basically a DIY loop that's made as an AIO. That's a lot of acronyms there, but <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, you have a pump block with a reservoir that fits on top of the CPU, and then you have some hoses that go to various radiators, and they include the quick disconnect, so you can add as many radiators and other devices as you want. Cool idea. Cool idea. The tubes are basically quarter inch um, inside diameter, so they're pretty small, but they're larger than an AIO, and considerably smaller than the ones that you have in your machine. I wanted to put in some G quarter fittings and hard line it with the PETG. Right. Unfortunately, the way that the block is set up, the, uh, the fittings won't fit. They just physically would not fit on top of the plump block to the point where I could use them. So I went with AIO and decided that I'd use the ice bear system for something other in the lab, you know, maybe the new podcast 2.0 machine or something like that. Sounds fantastic. Well, the build did look clean, although it was awfully dark compared to my system. Oh, yeah. You, you got lights everywhere. <laughs> and this year, we um, we got some cable mod cables for it. Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest upgrade. Now, we made a lot of design decisions in my machine this year based on how we thought the insides of the PC would look. Mm-hmm. So we did... Uh, And I think we talked about this already, but we did a full flush of the system. And I think that's maybe worth mentioning because we've talked about this a little bit offline. But I want to point out that if you've been with us for a while, and I hope you have, that this is a hard tube system that we've had for how long now? Over two years. Now, we originally built this for a Boise Land Land Party, and we wanted to really show what you could do with the PETG Hardline system mm-hmm. with a little bit of help from Thermaltake and some other sponsors. Yeah, and that was in the Core V51, the orange case that we took to land, what's the Boise Land 2.0? Oh, has that been that long? Wow. Yeah. Now, time flies. Now, we have upgraded it now into the case, and we've we've talked a lot about the, the View 31 slash 30 five case no i think i called it the x31 or the view x31 yeah that's what it was there you go so it was um the view 31 which had tempered glass in the vertical gpu but i wanted to use the front panel off of an x31 so i got thermal take to send me one so i am a bit of a porsche file so we decided moving from the orange lamborghini paint it was time to try a porsche paint so we went with a beautiful metallic flake white and we decided to try to do, initially, uh, red accents. And we've had some problems with the water cooling wanting to not stay colored. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so full disclosure, um, we were using C1000 coolant, thermal take coolant. I, I actually really like the coolant. I think it's great. But the first time that we installed it, I had flushed the loop with... Um, some bleachy chemicals and stuff to kind of clean everything. Oh, the wrong cleaner. I know, wrong cleaner. So I put the coolant in there, and um, within, what was it, like two weeks, it went from a nice bright orange to a nice bright white. Yeah, which is interesting because the white didn't look too bad. And actually the white uh, liquid, as much as I hated it, was the inspiration for adding some UV lighting to the system, which in the long run has turned out to be a really nice accent piece. Yeah. So the cool thing about that, about the white, red coolant, whatever, is that we also found out that the coolant was bad. It was the coagulated version of the C1000. So we did a quick flush, filled it back up, 
and it ran that way for like eight months. It ran forever. Well, this is something I think that we need to talk about a little bit deeper at the risk of, uh, you know, boring you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, People ask me all the time, what is the cost of running this hardline tubing? And of course, there's a pretty steep initial entry because these uh, different components, especially the fittings, are really expensive. I think you mentioned that we average around uh, seven bucks a pop, I think, for the fittings. Yeah, seven dollars a pop. And then, of course, the tubing. And and it goes without saying that, and and we have talked about this quite a bit, that you go through a lot of tubing because sometimes you ruin pieces before you get the right shape and the right cut. So it really is a buy more product than you need moment, but that can be expensive. But I think that the part that we don't often talk about is that it's not really unlike getting your oil changed in your car when you're running a really a premium water cooling system, especially if you're running a, a maybe we should call it an exotic liquid, right? Is that, oh. a, is that a good description? I think that would, that works. Uh, that you're, you're going to have to, just like an oil change, you're going to have to flush the system with a regular, pretty regular rate. And initially we thought this would be about yearly, and we found that we've been doing it more frequently than that. Yeah, it was about every six months. Now, going back, the uh, the initial flush that we did, and this was in the Core V51 build, it ran for a long time. We thought it would last about a year. We were also using a different CPU block. We were using the Thermaltake one. Oh, that's right, yeah. And it had a, it wasn't a microfin block. And then when we um, moved from that build into the the X31... That was when you upgraded to the EK CPU block. And right. that's when we started to run into problems with the coolant coagulating because the fins were much, much smaller. Which and is a good thing. Now, I want to point out that the, the decision to move to the EK block was not only because it had better performance, but because it matched the EK block that we had on our vertical uh, video card, the yep. 1070 uh, video card that I've had in that system for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And we bought the nickel with the accents with the intention that at some point we might light it up. And we have Still never haven't. found that to be necessary. Nope. But uh, the performance does come at a cost. And that is that the uh, those micro uh, fins. Yep. The micro fins inside the CPU block, they um, for them to work, they have to be rough. I mean, that is how you get the best thermal transfer between the block and the liquid. The problem is you get those microparticles that are in an opaque liquid, which is why you can't see through it. It's because it's got particles in it. Oh, yeah. They get stuck. And they, they, um, the speed in which they get stuck to things is based off of pressure and temperature. And if you're in a hot gaming season or if you're in the summer, it's going to add more pressure inside the loop and it's going to cause those particles to not move as much and fall out. And what was it? I think it got plugged up three times this last year, you know, we went and flushed it and we took about the blocks and we, um, we did everything we needed to do to clean it up. We even flushed the radiator several times, put new fluid in and within three months it would get plugged up again. So for the land party, what we did is we tore it apart again. Oh yeah. We took everything apart this time and I even polished the, the acrylic tubes. Uh, we polished all the PTG tubes. You took the blocks apart. And when we put it back together, it's crystal clear, which is ironic because we put the C1000 clear fluid back in. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a video of this, and you can check it out also in our... Uh, On the YouTube channel. It's our YouTube channel. That's right. And you can see us doing the fill, and you can also see us adding the red liquid. Now, we made an interesting decision not to go with an opaque, but to go with a 
and more of a red dye effect to it. And I was initially on the fence about whether I would like it because it just isn't such a bold statement. It's more translucent. Well, it is. And that was where um, the RGB lights that are in your system are going to shine through it a little bit better. But it doesn't highlight the fact that we have a DIY loop in there as much as the opaque fluids do, which I love the opaque fluids. I just think we did a different CPU block. Well, and I did feel like in the end it worked out pretty well because we had already put in the UV lighting which worked really well with the translucent red and it gave it kind of a clear thing and it ended up making the tubes a little bit more UV reactive. They stood out more where the liquid became sort of secondary. Now we should also point out that we made the decision at the last minute to switch back in some red memory to accent it yeah. in an effort to make the uh, the interior more red colored as opposed to just RGB everywhere. And I think that was a good decision, although I do kind of miss my RGB lighting on the memory. So it, oh, yeah, your ballistic stuff. My ballistic, love it. So it may end up going back in there over the G-Skill memory that's in there. But uh, the red uh, with the UV lighting, I think, turned out really well. Mm-hmm. And then I, I want to go back to it because we started to touch on this and we went back to water cooling. The biggest change probably was the power supply and the cables. Right. So we mentioned that we did uh, a cable mod cable kit. And this was something that I've been working with Cable Mod to do a review on their cables, and that will be forthcoming. But as part of the review, we needed to install them. So we took out the, uh, what was it, the Thermaltake 850 RGB right. power supply that was in there. Great power supply, by the way, with an RGB fan in it. Yeah, so pretty. And then we put in a, a Cooler Master V1000, which is an overclocking-ready high-current power supply. Right, so better power supply overall, but not as blingy. Not as blingy, no. But then we paired it with uh, the Cable Mod kit, and we got the white individually sleeved cables in standard lengths. So I didn't do custom lengths on this because I didn't know exactly how they were going to run. And that's one thing that if you are doing a cable kit in your build, um, you can measure them custom and have them custom made for you, which is a great bonus to... uh, you know, someone else is doing the sleeving, somebody else is doing the end, somebody else is making sure that the quality is there and that everything is going to be pinned out correctly, and you just pay a few extra bucks for it. Well, if you're already spending the money, I think it's a good stretch. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that we don't tend to be in the same case for very long, so that added some versatility and some upgradability. Yeah. So we weren't locked into a very specific build, which is a good thing. But the downside is that case has also got a front and back window, so we had a little bit of an interesting time trying to figure out how to run these brilliant white cables, and boy, they look great under the UV, uh-huh. um, in this black window uh, <laughs> on the back without making them look too bad. And I'm, I'm not in love with the end result, but it didn't work out too badly. What we did is we ran a single bundle with some black wraps around it, so it's really kind of a black and white striped effect on the back. Right, and that's where, um, with standard cables, there was a, a kind of a flip-flop, right? So we had individually run cables. That's an old, old school power supply. And then when they become more of a, a commodity, I guess, right? we started seeing bundles. So you'd have these individual cables, but then they would wrap them in, um, you know, that uh, plastic flex stuff, right? So then oh, yeah. you'd have the single bundle. Those were great because you could run them in a case side by side and make them relatively flat. Well, the next way you go is you have flat cables. So a lot of companies, including Cooler Master and uh, Thermaltake, were releasing power supplies with flat ribbon cables. 
And those were the ones that we had in your build and they were really easy to run because if you needed to change directions, you just fold them over similar to what we did with the old IDE, IDE cables back in the day. Oh yeah. Switching from that to an individually run cable again, that doesn't have any sort of binder to keep them together made running the cables almost exponentially more difficult. Well, especially since we knew that between the white and the UV, that these things were going to be so visible, you couldn't make any mistakes. Nope, you could not. And that is the one thing that I was getting to that if you buy cables from Cable Mod or anywhere else where they're individually wrapped, get some cable combs. Yeah, and I think that's pretty high on the list for the next time that we go in there. Not only will it help us to space these out a little bit and make them a little more visually appealing, but it gives us a little bit more organization overall. Yeah. And, but other than that, I mean, you can still bind them the way you normally would in a case where you get your zip ties and you put them into the mounting points. You just have to be careful about how you run them and careful about which ones overlap others. Because I found that it's really easy to get them tangled up. Oh yeah. And that was a, you have this 24 pin bundle, right? And just by putting it into the case, we had some of them wrapped over top of each other. I'm like, how did that happen? And it's just how they go in. Well, I have to give Cable Mods a huge shout out because I really underestimated how good this was going to look. And it has been one of, I think, the best visually attractive updates to the case that we've done since the paint job. Yeah. The white looks fantastic with the UV lighting, even through the smoke glass. Mm -hmm. The build's very clean. And even the massive cables in the back that we tamed with just the Velcro black striping looks pretty slick. Yeah, and... Uh People at the LAN party commented on the cables, and admittedly, they didn't look around to the back, but nobody cared. And that was that was really the big win, really, was that they noticed that it was there, but they didn't criticize. Now, I should point out that we built another case, and I used the Royal Week because you did all of the work on this particular case. Mm -hmm. But we did do another case that we ended up giving away, and I think it's worth mentioning because you put a lot of work into this particular case. Yeah. And what case did you use? I used the Metallic Gear, not Metallica Gear, by the way, Metallic Gear Neo Micro. And it was a case that I reviewed on Hardware Asylum. I will link that down in the show notes as I point down on radio. <laughs> um, this is a great case. It's a micro ATX chassis. It is designed to be a down market for the Fantex brand. So it's a bit less expensive. It has less features in it but it still has the same build quality that people that like Fantex can appreciate. Now, so, this is a multi-window case too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Side, both side tempered glass, so front and back, and we have aluminum on the top and aluminum on the front. The chassis itself is steel. And what I did was I, I went and did a paint mod on it. So I pulled off the top panel and the front panel and the bottom, those were, uh, the bottom was a steel, but it was painted the, uh, the silver that the case normally comes in. I covered it in that awesome pearl white metallic that we have in your case. So beautiful, especially in the sunshine. Yeah. I set up, um, you know, for all of these paint mods that I do, I set up a booth, which is really just a glorified, you know, paint collector, if you will, in my garage so that, uh, I can spay, spray the automotive coats without getting a lot of overspray on stuff and then also keep the dirt from getting into the paint it's inevitable because you're painting in an inherently dirty conditions it's going to get a little bit of dirt but um i covered up some of those with vinyl stickers 
So I did some vinyl rally stripes across the front and the top, which are really difficult to line up, by the way. <laughs> um, and then I had the, the hardware asylum guy, the flame guy, in the middle on the front. So um, I'll post some pictures in the show notes so you can check this case out. It turned out amazing. Yeah, I don't want to toot my horn or anything, but we have this awesome pearl white that looks great in the sun. And we have these um, graphics on top of it that they're semi-permanent. So the person that won this case, if they don't like them, they can rip them off and do anything that they want or leave it on there and enjoy the hardware asylum glory. Well, I do want to point out that in addition to the case, we also gave away some really beautiful matched RAM. Yeah, from Patriot. So Patriot, and the RAM is a beautiful white with RGB, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. So we'll have to link to that as well. And I am a huge fan of synergy between products. So it was really nice to see white memory that would match the case and also the lighting that would help light up the interior of such a beautiful windowed case. And this was RAM that I reviewed on the site as well. It's fairly decent. It's 3200 megahertz um, DDR4. And the RGB is individually addressable from the motherboard, just like any other RGB memory on the market. Well, I can't wait to see what build comes out of that machine. And with a little luck, uh, next LAN party, it's going to be attracting the same glances that it did when it was getting given away. Yeah. So overall, the LAN party, a lot of fun. Uh, an interesting LAN party for me, though. I didn't participate in any of the tournaments for the first time because I uh, just didn't really feel like I was up to speed. We did um, Seven Days to Die while we were there. Yeah, now this is kind of a great fallback for Dennis and I because Seven Days to Die really benefits itself to long play sessions. And, of course, the cooperative team play is there. And we did have, at least briefly, my son playing as well, which was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. He would, um, I was out there crafting. He was going and killing zombies and protecting me, which was good because you got to have somebody watching your back in that game. Well, I have to feel like the uh, the pacing and the semi-adult theme of it eventually kind of had him wander off to play other games. But even that was kind of interesting because I am always interested in what the kids are playing. The land party uh, itself had, of course, some of the common tournaments that we tend to see. We had uh, uh, League of Legends and uh, Counter-Strike go yeah, overwatch and overwatch uh, they will oh pub and of course uh pub being the hot one and that's a tough one to do tournaments in and we've talked a little bit about that before mm-hmm. i have to say that i felt like overwatch seemed to be the most popular game as far as participants and and fun to watch as well yeah there was people there just for that tournament and then when it was done they took off so very very cool some great prizes that went out from the sponsors there and and so uh, you know I miss land parties. If you haven't been to one for a while, the the scene isn't dead. You just have to pay a little bit more attention. Uh, as far as what we were playing, we played Seven Days to Die. I think the kids were playing um, Vermintide Two. Vermintide Two, which was kind of interesting in the multiplayer mode. And we played Vermintide off and on in the past at land parties, and have found that the mission aspect lends itself well to land party. Yeah, played a little Castle Crashers mostly because it was cheap on the Steam sale. And uh, what else did we... Oh, there was some Raft play. It was probably the first time I'd seen Raft in any lengthy sessions, which was an interesting choice. That was that early access game that kind of combined some elements of Subnautica and... um, Oh, what's the other one that was on space? Um, Like Stationeers, maybe? Yeah, like Stationeers, but the one that nobody liked. I can't remember what it is, but you crash land on a foreign planet and then you have to, you know... Gather, do your hunter-gather thing, craft some stuff, build a rocket so you can get off the, the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're thinking No Man's Sky, I think. Yeah, that's the one. 
So that was kind of interesting. I didn't know that Raft was multiplayer, and it seemed like the kids and, and the wife played that for quite a while, so that might get a second glance for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh, multiplayer went, I mean, I've been waiting for Battlefield Five, and it wasn't out yet, so not really a good first-person shooter for me. So this was a good opportunity to uh, go really as a pure sponsor and enjoy the culture of the land, the giveaways and and the different demonstrations and the the sponsors that were there. Yeah, and that brings up a good point because in the past, I have always done an overclocking demonstration. And that was part of my sponsor duties was to do kind of a little demo and to really show what Hardware Asylum was about. This time I did a custom case. That's also what Hardware Asylum was about. It's kind of a case modding enthusiast build sort of analogy, if you will. Well, and I think people underestimate how much time and effort goes into those projects. Not just the overclocking sessions, but the custom painting. Oh, yeah. That took two weeks. I mean, that was... Yes, it took me a day to do the painting, start to finish, to set up the booth, set up everything to be painted, mix the paint, wait for it to dry, that sort of thing. That was just a day, but that took, um, there was two days of planning, and then there was a week of paint curing, and then I had to go and have like the, the graphics made, so I had to draw those up and have them cut out. I literally put the graphics on the day before the LAN party which, um, <laughs> you know, that's cutting it close. But based off of the schedule, that was the only time I would have to do it. The overclocking stuff, that's like a two-week prep beforehand where, uh, let's see, the first time I did uh, dry ice. So I went down and spent three days overclocking with dry ice because I had never done that before just to get the system tuned and know what I needed to do. Um, the intent was I would be doing a kind of a pseudo overclocking competition with dry ice. It didn't really work out that way. And in the end, it kind of worked out better because then I was just in the corner, had a light on me and I was just kind of overclocking people combined, and see some stuff. And they really enjoyed that. Next one I did liquid. No, no. Next one I did uh, four way GTX 780 on a phase cooler. <laughs> the phase machine, the phase kept taking out the power grid. Yeah. Well, I already have an industrial level, refrigerating system plus the four-way SLI running off a 1200 watt power supply. Yeah. It, um, I, I had some people angry at me, which was pretty, that was an impressive system though. Yeah. And then the following year or this last time I went, I guess it was, um, liquid nitrogen on a CPU running a, uh, what was it? A 980, I think. No, it was 780. Yeah, I know. Cause we wanted to see what we could do with the olders and hopefully take home a cup. Yes. So we were overclocking that. I didn't quite get a cup, but I was in top 10, I think. The big win there was that one of the LAN party goers was running Firestrike and came up with his score saying, yeah. hey, this is the score that I got. It's like looking at that, looking at my system, kind of looking at the subspecs. Like, I can beat that. He goes, really? And say, like, yeah, I got. And the system that I was running was inferior to his. Oh, in every way. In every way possible. And in the end, I beat him by, I think, 200 points, all because I had my CPU running at 6 gigahertz. I did some memory tweaks, and I added 10 megahertz to the CPU, or not CPU, but the GPU. Ran the benchmark, and boom, I win. And I think he was running, what was it, a Core i5-something, and then a, uh, yeah, 1070. Yeah. It's a great system. And I think, uh, you know, that's a worth going back maybe to revisit, but it just talks about some of the reasons that we like to go to LAN parties besides gaming. 
I mean, the gaming is great, but that's not all there is to it. I mean, it is about the camaraderie, about comparing the systems, talking about the different techniques for overclocking and sometimes just the different culture and, and the ways that people approach PC building in general. I think for me, one of my favorite things is to walk the floor and see all of the different builds and look for things that I haven't seen before. Yeah. And there's never been a land party where I haven't seen a build where I was like, wow, that's just really cool. We mm -hmm. should do that. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Boise land is still not large enough to the point where it draws in a wide variety of that. And that was the primary driver for not doing an overclocking demonstration this time was because in the past, it was a struggle to get people to come over and see what I was doing. Everybody knew what I was doing, but it was really hard to get people engaged. So I decided that, you know, I'll do the, the case modding thing. And I had something to talk about the entire time. And in reality, more people came over to see the case than they did to see the overclocking stuff. Oh, yeah. And I think it gave us an opportunity to talk about, I don't want to say more mundane clocking because we already talked about the systems, Yeah. but to talk about the builds that we had and the difference between your approach with the Ice Bear system versus my hardline system and talk about the two different types of builds. And that, to me, I think is the main thing about builds that's so interesting is you can approach a build in so many different ways and there is not really a wrong way no. there's just so many different ways to approach a build and they can be just such amazing systems yeah and it's not about cost really because the system that i put together you know i had the aio and everything that system might be the same cost as somebody else that did a much more elaborate system just by tweaking a few things and we have seen some interesting stuff. I have to feel like, Dennis, the future is still not really on us with some of the customization. We're just starting to see 3D printing, for example. There was a 3D printed case at the LAN party. Oh, yeah, Even was. if it was a relatively angular, square system, mm -hmm. still a full 3D printed case. Uh, we've seen a Lego case, which was kind of fancy. Yeah. But I do feel like there is a real future for 3D custom design case components. And I think we're just barely scratching the surface for that. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens for the next LAN party. And hopefully we will be able to do a little bit more, especially since Hackport happens at the same time. That's right. And I'm really looking forward to that. If you haven't been out to the LAN party or if you have a chance to join us, we're looking forward to it. We'll see you there. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.